0: Hello, you are listening to UMKC's student radio station, KRU, and I am Brent Landreth, your host of Quick Save, the show about video games and news coming out of the video game industry. Um. So last week I talked, I very briefly touched upon the fact that I wasn't able to play Octopath, unfortunately. it just kind of got busy with stuff, and I almost got a little too busy uh, here over the weekend. I got into a little bit of a fender bender on Friday, and kind of having to deal with that, had to go pull a new hood from a salvage yard and all that junk. Uh, However, I did finally find time to play more Octopath Traveler. And I have completed everyone's chapter one. So the eight characters, each one has four chapters for their story, and I have collected everybody, finished off their chapter ones, and now I can finally kind of give my really overall impressions about everyone. So I've kind of already talked about the various colorful cast of characters that uh, I have picked up before this. However, I can touch a little bit more upon um, the two that I hadn't, uh, Primrose and Alphen. Uh, I want to talk about Alfin first, um, even though I got Primrose before him. Um, Alfin, he is an apothecary for this very small town, uh, basically someone who makes potions and medicine, essentially. Kind of before, like, modern medicine, I guess you would say. And his whole thing is that his best friend, his uh, his best friend's sister, gets bitten by a poisonous snake and he has to go get that snake, get its venom to create an antidote or an, a- an anti-venom. And his whole story is that, like, oh, he just wants to make potions for the town, and so far, his is easily the weakest one. I'm not that invested into it. Uh, obviously, it does seem like there is some more that is going to be happening, but as of right now, it's just him... Wanting to make potions. It's not, not all that interesting. Uh, his path action is very similar to Cyrus's where he can get information out of people. And that information kind of gives can give you like some benefits. Like uh, um, depending on who you talk to in the town, you can get like a discount at the inn. Um... Uh, i trying to think, what else? And stuff like, oh, you can find hidden items, you get discounts at shops and stuff, and sometimes you need to do it for side quests, uh, which side quests, I've started a few, and these side quests in this game are incredibly vague, and I have no idea what I'm doing, so I'm probably going to have to really buckle down and see what the hell all of that is about. It's kind of ridiculous. It's like, uh, there's this one, I'm trying to remember exactly what it is, but it's like, oh, I have to go find my brother, you know, like, oh, that brother of mine, he ran away again, and that's all you get, and you don't have any clue which direction and everything, so you have to basically talk with everyone, utilize something like the scrutinized path action. Yeah, it's it's kind of ridiculous. Um, I don't know, I'm probably going to try to do some of those side quests. I kind of want to get everyone's chapter one and then go through, do all the chapter one side quests, etc. kind of go that route. Yeah, Alfen easily the weakest one by far, so far. Uh, and Primrose, so here's the thing. I've heard about this, right? I've heard about the tonal dissonance that this game has and how it's like, oh, you have some stories that are, like, super cheerful and stuff. Uh, and on the opposite end, you have Primrose, who uh, she basically her whole thing is that her father was murdered by someone many years ago. And kind of now that she is a young adult... Uh, uh, they just released all their ages, and I want to say she's in her twenties, and um, she's basically working as a prostitute dancer. They're officially called dancers, but uh, the uh, I guess you would refer to him as like kind of their boss. He, I mean, he's basically a pimp. Um, he, um, he's kind of very scummy and everything, and uh, it basically kind of treats Primrose like an object until one day in. Uh, the tavern, sort of like it's kind of like a mixture between like a tavern and a stage, like for like a stage play, etc. Uh, Primrose sees a man with an eagle tattoo, or it's like a hawk, and she knows that three men who had three hawk tattoos in different places are the ones that killed her father. And she finally finds someone. And she's like, all right, this is my chance. I'm finally gonna figure out what happened to him. Everything will be good now. Uh, So she tries to follow him. Uh, The pimp ends up kind of getting aware of this, proceeds to kill her only friend, and just kind of overall acts like a scumbag. Uh, There is a line, which I don't have written down, but it's like a he says something that like it's it's that kind of line that makes you go "Ugh, like you're disgusting and he basically goes it's like uh it's something along the lines of like uh, how about you quit running that pretty little mouth of yours and put it where it belongs and i'm like oh god and you end up uh beating him getting out of there and kind of setting off on her adventure and it's a very far cry from uh tressa being like oh boy i love capitalism gonna go have fun with that uh it's very different, and it's it's interesting. I think that this whole split up eight different stories, you can kind of do something like that. You can have stories that are more lighthearted while also having stories that kind of err on the heavier side of things. And having each story kind of be self-contained means that, like, oh, a story that's super cheerful and happy won't go super dark all of a sudden for no reason, and you kind of feel like a tonal disconnect to it. But this way... Like, don't get me wrong. I still kind of felt that tonal disconnect, but at the same time, I don't think it it uh, is a negative point towards any individual story. Yeah, um, all of the characters they seem to they seem to be pretty nice. They're kind of archetypical. Uh, yeah, kind of like um, uh, what I say, archetypical. And I imagine that there's going to be more to them. Uh, As kind of seeing people's impressions online. Definitely, there definitely does seem to be more substance to their characters than I would originally kind of give them credit for. Um, so yeah, that's, that's Octopath Traveler. I've been playing a bunch of that. Um, so yeah, I guess, like I said, I'm probably going to go after the Chapter 1 side quests right after this. Finish that stuff up and go on the Chapter 2s. Um, as kind of party member or party composition goes, I'm stuck with Theory on the thief because he was the first character I chose. You can't switch that one out. But there's a lot of very good choices here. I'm leaning towards considering having Primrose in the party. She has a skill called bewildering dance that causes a random effect to happen. It can be anything like, oh, you all suffer explosion damage because the ground exploded. Or something very beneficial like, hey, two times experience or two times job points. And that seems like it would be pretty useful. Uh, Or I could always go get another job. Because the thing is that you can... After you complete the chapter ones, on the way to the chapter twos, you will find job shrines. And, And these job shrines there are uh, just other jobs you can get. Basically, you can have anyone have any other job, right? So it's like, oh, Therion is a thief. I could totally give him Primrose's dancing ability. You know, become a dancing job, I guess I would say. And then, oh, he would gain access to all of those skills. And also, all of their sprite work changes, which is pretty cool. Like, a little character art. I don't know how exactly I'm going to compose that, because... You can probably cover all of the jobs in your main, in your main four party. Oh man, I'm I'm not sure. It's because you want to also kind of keep everyone roughly the same level. So I'm probably going to end up giving theory on the dancing ability if I'm going to be completely honest. So I can try to abuse that to get double XP a whole bunch. Yeah, really good stuff. Uh, I am very satisfied with how Octopath is and. Uh, you know, we're going to go and take a bit of a break uh, for the break music I got lined up. Primrose's theme and the theme of the Sunlands from Octopath Traveler. Kind of her theme and the, uh, the town that you start off in uh, for her chapter. Uh, so whenever we get back here on QuickSave UMKC Student Radio Station, I got a couple more game impressions to talk about. Something that I've been picking away at but haven't exactly finished or really talked about yet. Uh, So we'll see you then. Alright, that was Primrose's Theme and the Sunlands from the Octopath Traveler official Soundtrack, and you are listening to Quick Save here on UMKC Student Radio Station. And I am Brent Land with your host. Uh so before the break I kinda teased, I was gonna talk about something that I haven't really talked about before. And that is, um since the beginning of 20, uh let me think, twenty seventeen. I, uh, what am I trying to say here? Since the beginning of 2017, uh, I have been reading, uh, kind of reading a game called, uh, it's called Umi Neko When They Cry. Uh, it is essentially, it is, um, I've talked about the genre before. It's called a visual novel. It is quite literally all reading, there is no gameplay to it, there's like character art and music and stuff. And I've kind of chipped away at that since the beginning of 2017, but recently, kind of seeing some other people uh, that I kind of follow on social media get into it has made me feel more inclined to probably get back to it. Um, so the basic setup is is that uh, there is the it's 1986, and there is a family conference for this very wealthy family, and uh, the family there's. It's not so much a family conference. It's that the head of the family, the grandfather, is getting ready to pass away. His health is not very great. Um, and so all of the siblings are kind of fighting over who is going to get the inheritance whenever he eventually dies. And so that's kind of what the family conference has become within recent years. And so... Uh, and... Um, what what am I trying to say here? Uh, basically, what happens is is that... Uh, how the family kind of got their fortune in the first place... The grandfather... There was a rumor that apparently he ended up getting some gold. Like, from a witch. And that, hey, that's like the source of all of his... Uh, all of his wealth. And, you know, like that's kind of where he got it all. And there's this whole thing of... Uh, in the, what would you call it, foyer, or like main lobby of uh, the very large house that is located on an island, uh, there is a painting of that said, of the witch. And uh, the whole thing is that um, there is a little blurb on it. It's the epitaph. Epitaph, I want to say, is how you pronounce that and it's basically this riddle that explains where the gold is and uh the whole thing is that like hey if you find the gold uh you will be named new head of the family you automatically get all of the inheritance and you know they don't really have to fight over it and so the whole plot set up is a typhoon kind of comes in traps everyone on the island for Uh, no, 36 hours, I would say, probably, yeah. And they're kind of, and they're basically trapped there, and then people start mysteriously dying, and it's like, does magic really exist? Like, can you explain these murders without the use of magic? And, like, how could a human commit these crimes? And it's really interesting. It is a very well-written mystery story. I wasn't expecting to like it, as much, but I'm totally, like, kind of blown away by it. So, I am reading the questions arc. Uh, the questions... Yeah, yeah, it is... I'm just kind of double-checking here. Yeah, it is referred to as the questions arc. There is the questions arc, and there is the answers arc. Kind of two halves. Each one is divided into four episodes, making eight. It is incredibly long... Reading one episode took me, oh, what well, I would say about maybe like over 10 hours, almost up to 20. It is a, it's very long. I just want to kind of make that clear. And I installed a patch that people made that adds the voice acting from like the PlayStation 3 version that never came over here many years ago. And it's the way how it presents its material. It kind of feels long and drawn out to a bit. Um, However, it also feels deliberate in that sense. Like it kind of feels like that the game it wants me to kind of follow along with the mystery and kind of try to keep up. Try to, like, solve stuff before the characters within the fiction solve it. It's very hard to explain. I don't want to try to spoiling it at all. Um, someone did tell me, however, that it follows... uh, oh, What's the exact word? It's Knox's Ten Commandments of Detective Fiction. It's basically... It's this guy from uh, early 20th century, and he basically made like these Ten Commandments for uh, Detective Fiction. They're not so much... Uh, relevant in today's fiction. But it's pretty interesting that like the game completely uh kind of follows these things. It's like, you know, you got stuff like though the criminal has to be someone mentioned in the early part of the story. It must not be any but must not be anyone whose thoughts the reader has been allowed to follow. Uh like no more than one secret room or passage is allowed. It's it's pretty interesting, um, and I, I've i kind of been reading it on and off. I feel like I'm going to have to look at some notes or something from the first two episodes because I ended up, like I said, I've kind of been slowly pecking away at it over the last, like, year and, uh, well, I guess I'd say, like, year and two-thirds, I guess. Yeah. it's It's really well-written and interesting. It's... Yeah, very slow, deliberate. Uh, Umineko when they cry. It's I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, if I wouldn't recommend it if you're not very I would say set um, if you're not like willing to read a whole bunch because it's a lot of reading. Yeah, so that was uh, Umineko when they cry. Um, played a bit of Kirby Star Allies as well on the Nintendo Switch. played it over at a friend's house and I was very skeptical about Kirby Star Allies mainly because I had heard that it's sparse on content and everything but the game it if you are a fan of Kirby games I would say you're gonna probably end up liking this one uh it's it's just really good it's it's like it has that good feeling that good feeling uh kirby um good feeling kirby gameplay you know it's just it's like really easy to kind of get into it's not that hard and it's it's just fun it's it's great i'm i'm really liking it i'm glad i was able to play it for a bit at a friend's house um so yeah it's it's not like i said it's not especially challenging it's probably gonna be like most kirby games where the challenge really lies within the uh, the extra content, the bonus content that's kind of included in it. And yeah, you know, uh, it's totally a fun game. I'm thinking about buying it for myself. Uh, they keep adding free DLC to it that adds other Kirby characters into it. Yeah, it's just a good time. It it's, uh, has four-player co-op with it, um, or you can control... Um, AI partners, which their whole thing is that, like, you know, they give you powers and stuff for you to use to kind of go through the levels and stuff, and there's, like, some light puzzle solving. Nothing too difficult. It's a really just good-feeling game, and probably totally worth it. I th- I'm Like I said, I'm thinking about it. 60 bucks might be a little too steep for Kirby Star Allies. Maybe. And I guess last but not least, I also played a bit of Dragon Ball Fighters on the Switch. Uh, Bandai Namco was running an open beta over the weekend. It seems to be good. It looks really good on the Switch. It really does. I feel like the shading is a tad worse on it. That's kind of... I think so, yeah. That's, that's kind of how I feel about it. The shading doesn't look incredible uh in some places i don't know maybe it's maybe i'm like having other thoughts of uh the other versions of the game i need to really look at like comparison videos i was dropping some frames but then again the internet uh my internet connection was not the best whenever i was playing it i don't know it seems like a pretty solid version of the game and maybe the one that i end up getting i don't know we'll see so, hey, uh, we're actually going to take another break. Uh, and when, when we return here on Quick Save on UMKC's student radio station, we're going to talk about the news. Talk about some recent stuff that's happened kind of in the news. Uh, over the break, I'm going to play some music from the aforementioned, aforementioned game, uh, Umineko When They Cry that I kind of talked about and we will be right back. Hello everyone and welcome back to Quick Save here on K.Ru, UMKC's student radio station. Uh, What you just heard was Psy Chorus, that is P-S-Y-chorus, from that game, Umineka When They Cry, as I mentioned. So we got some news to get through today. Um, kind of a follow-up to a story that happened last week, uh, if you remember with Emu, uh, like, not really Emu, um... Uh, Love ROM and all this other stuff Uh, ROM sites being shut down and sued by Nintendo and not necessarily uh, Nintendo's fault but kind of coming off of the cusp of that uh, one of the arguably what many people consider to be the best emulator and ROM source, Emu Paradise is not closing but they have removed all of the ROM downloads off of their site. Uh, they posted a blog post a couple days ago called "Emu Paradise is Changing." Uh, many of you are aware that the situation with regards to emulation sites has been changing recently. What you probably don't know is that we at Emu Paradise have been dealing with similar issues for all of for all eighteen years of our existence. Uh, From receiving threatening letters in the early days to our hosts suddenly shutting down our servers due to complaints, we've seen it all. We've always complied with takedown requests, but as you can see, there is no guarantee of anything. I started Emu Paradise 18 years ago because I never got to play many of the amazing retro games while growing up in India, and I wanted other people to be able to experience them. Over the years, many folks have joined in and contributed to this vision, and I think I can say we have been successful in spreading our passion for retro games far and wide. And so this basically is a long blog post detailing that, hey, we're not going to be hosting ROMs anymore. And it's really unfortunate. Paradise is probably one of, uh, it's probably my go-to source if I want to get some ROMs of what have you. And this is honestly really sad. And along with kind of ROMs, kind of go, uh things like uh, they had like old backups of and scans of strategy guides and game and art books magazines they had old video game related tv shows and stuff kind of all backed up and now all of it is just kind of gone and it sucks this sucks for uh game preservation and just kind of all around and it's yeah it's just incredibly unfortunate and Kind of uh, looking at some stuff here. Um, I've seen some responses to this that have been, I would say, not great. Uh, some of the responses have just been pretty overall terrible. Some people being very happy that sites like this are shutting down. And, you know, kind of rejoicing in that fact. But what I think a lot of people don't really realize is that sites like this are very important. You know, kind of to put it into perspective... There are seven hundred and forty-one Super Nintendo games on the Wii Virtual Console. There were seventy-four. Now, of course, Wii Virtual Console has been shut down since well, it's not shut down. You just can't add more points to it since March. That number is down down to it's in like fifty to fifty-five on the Wii U eShop, and that is the only modern way to buy them that supports the original developers or publishers license holders what have you or you could go online and try to buy a a uh, an old used cartridge you know you might be able to find if it's like a common game probably able to find it for maybe five fifteen bucks if it's a rare game good luck you're gonna have to spend hundreds of dollars trying to get it and it's like it's so it's such a weird topic to talk about game preservation and kind of piracy in its place because you don't really think of something like this well you I guess you kind of think about something like this with like movies and stuff uh things like kind of movies that have been lost to time because of this but it's like you don't really like it's because games are so weird because you know like they're a they're like locked onto exclusive consoles unless a the developer decides to port it to a new one Or if that developer allows backwards compatibility on their new device. And even then, like, rights could be lost, games end up just kind of disappearing. And I've seen people be like, oh good, I'm glad these are shutting down, you know, it's like, you should support the original developers. And it's like, with the games, like a GameCube game, like Fire Emblem Path of Radiance is a GameCube game that, if you look on Amazon, costs over $300 to get if you buy that you're not supporting nintendo in any way you're supporting a scalper who wants to make a quick buck by selling you this product at a way more expensive price and so it like it sucks that, that this happens it, re- it really does it's, it's just, it's just kind of terrible and that's kind of one of the big news stories and it's very unfortunate that this has happened uh, I'm gonna really miss Emu Paradise, but not you know not even just for the getting ROMs and stuff, but like video game related TV shows. They got a couple things here. Let's see, like like Super Mario Brothers, Super Show, Street Fighter, Sonic Underground, stuff that is very hard to find. They have old stuff from G4 TV, Icons. Whoa. I haven't seen this. Yeah, you just, yeah, you you can't, you just can't get it anymore. Um, I don't know. I kind of hoped that they would have given some sort of notice that this would have happened, so then people could go through and archive everything and make a new site. But no, it just kind of came out of nowhere, and it's incredibly unfortunate, because other ROM sites are infamous for things like malware. So who knows, maybe a new one will kind of step up. I found some stuff via archive.com. People like to upload a bunch of archives there. So I found some older ROMs kind of via that way, like very large ROM sets. So the next new story is that Fallout 76 is not going to be launching on Steam. This is so Bethesda can quote unquote directly serve its players. Uh, the Bethesda.net launcher used for stuff like Elder Scrolls Online, Quake Champions, I don't know what else, but they're probably going to be using that. And I imagine this is so Steam won't take their standard 30% cut. And it's kind of, it's an interesting move from Bethesda, I guess. Like, I don't know, this wasn't really that expected. Uh... And I don't know exactly how well that's going to sit because I know that uh, people, they love to own everything on Steam. That's kind of their whole thing. They just want to have everything in one place and be able to buy it on one platform, but doesn't look like that's going to be happening. Although Quake Champions did eventually come to Steam after a while. And in fact, I believe that game has gone permanently free to play. So, yeah, we'll kind of see how this goes out. I imagine it's going to come to Steam eventually because they're going to want to try to get more sales. That's where a lot of Bethesda game sales come from is from Steam. So, uh, next story. It's a bit of a a social story, kind of about social influencers. is from a uh, popular Twitch streamer, Ninja. And uh, this whole thing is coming from Polygon. It says Ninja explains why his choice, explains his choice not to stream with female gamers. So Ninja is a popular Twitch streamer. He is married, he has a wife and everything. And basically, a lot of people are looking at this headline and being like, wow, Ninja, he is this piece of garbage. He is sexist, misogynistic. And that's really not what he's getting at. The problem whenever you have a following as big as him, he has millions of followers. And essentially, he kind of goes into detail. It's like, you know, if, you, if you're if you a guy and you stream with another female streamer, people are going to start spreading rumors. Be like, oh, I bet, I bet you guys are in bed with each other and a bunch of, of BS like that. And, you know, and he would have to kind of put up with that. And he kind of says that the only way to avoid the rumors is to not play with them at all. And this is something that's kind of unfortunate. This is something that I've seen from like streamers that I follow, right? Like I follow like some streamers and like one day he'll like stream with a friend of his, a platonic female friend and all of a sudden big fan base uh kind of just talking about being like, "Oh, yeah, something going on here. What's happening with you guys?" And I don't know. I think that um this whole case of with Ninja, people being mad about Ninja saying that he doesn't want to stream with female gamers so these kind of rumors don't get spread i think that people are kind of looking at the headline and not reading the actual article it might help to actually read it honestly some valuable information there um hey you know what real quick we're going to take another break here on quick save umkc student radio stations show about news in the gaming industry over oh, the break, I'm going to play a bit of Rave On from Killer 7, part of the Killer 7 soundtrack. That remaster is eventually coming this year. We'll see you then. That was Ray Vaughn from Killer7, and you are listening to Quick Save. I am your host, Brent Landreth. Kind of going through some more of the news is that Discord is going to start selling games. Discord, the uh, biggest, probably, gaming chat server service, is partnering with THQ and Deep Silver, kind of d- publishers like that. And if you are a Discord Nitro subscriber for like five bucks a month, Get access to premium features, and also you're going to start getting some free games. Uh, Discord is getting quite big, and it seems like they might be aiming to become a new game distributor. Uh, Let's see, this feature will include games like Saints Row the Third, Darksiders War Mastered Edition, Super Meat Boy, and Metro Last Light Redux. Yeah, it seems to be pretty interesting. Uh, The first games on the store will include Dead Cells, Into the Breach, and Frostpunk, some very popular indie games that have come out over the last few months. So, yeah, very cool for these guys here. Glad that uh, Discord has gotten this big. And, yeah, who knows? Maybe they'll try to open up their own game store. I've kind of seen Discord's front end for a lot of their game stuff and honestly it's not great it is something that needs improvement like let's see like looking right here I'm looking at it right in front of me there's a quick launcher of what are my most played games in here there are like some new stuff like hey hey, here's what your friends have been playing uh, here's what's new kind of some new stuff that your friends have been playing and it, it's kind of an unorganized mess it needs to be tweaked a little bit so there's that. And next, uh, here on Quick Save, UMKC's show about news in the gaming industry, is kind of a dire news story is that Apple is killing its App Store affiliate program. Basically, is that uh, you would have people or websites that could post a link. It's like, hey, you can buy this app here. And someone clicks on the link and then... Whenever they buy it, the person who is the affiliate who linked that for them uh, will get a little bit of money. When it first started out, it was very small, something like 7%. Then they lowered it to 2.5%, and now they're just playing getting rid of it on October 1st. Sites like, let's see, Touch Arcade, which relied on that uh, kind of to help keep the website running. After it was lowered from 7% to 2.5%, they turned to Patreon to kind of help get some more funding. And the editor-in-chief of Touch Arcade quoted, I wish I was dead. Um, Him being a little sarcastic. And uh, kind of going on to say, the mega-effed thing about Apple killing third-party editorial because their new app store discovery is so good is that featuring now requires proven KPIs. Real game sites don't cover mobile with, without outlets like Touch Arcade. Unknown iOS indie games are effectively 100% dead. It's very unfortunate stuff here. Um, websites like Touch Arcade are probably going to end up kind of disappearing because... Yeah, there's really, like, nothing for them to do in this situation. Yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate. Because, uh... You know, like there were indie games that would come to mobile and kind of go unnoticed, which sucks. It's very unfortunate for uh, websites like this that this has happened. Yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe they'll end up getting some outside support from somewhere. But overall it kinda looks like that a lot of websites focusing on mobile phone game coverage as pretty much, they pretty much are going to be disappearing. And speaking of mobile phone games, uh, Fortnite came out on Android. Not putting that on Google Play, which would require them to give Google a 30% cut. They are just like, hey, you can go to this website and download the APK file, something that you can only do on Android, which is open, which people have expressed that hey that might cause people like people might accidentally download a file infected with malware but oh they don't uh, seem to really care Uh, they said they deal with that on pc all the time so um, I don't know that's a little news story I don't have much of an opinion on it like you just need to make sure that you're downloading it off of their official website not anywhere else so you kind of avoid that problem uh, back last week, I mentioned uh, Nintendo talked about a Smash Brothers Direct, and we had that direct. Uh, some new characters include Simon Belmont from Castlevania, and uh, yes, yeah, Simon Belmont from Castlevania, along with Richter from Castlevania. There's going to be a Castlevania stage with bosses, 34 music tracks appearing from the series. Some new fighters include Krom from Fire Emblem and Dark Samus from Metroid Prime 2 Echoes Uh, both Chrom is an Echo Fighter of Roy and Dark Samus is an Echo Fighter of Samus and they talked a little bit about uh, some new stuff coming in like there are 103 stages in the game you can turn off stage hazards on all of them also make them Battlefield versions and uh uh, the one with has has like platforms above it, and yeah, stuff like that. Like, there's gonna be over nine hundred music tracks in the game. They're all gonna be kind of like organized by series, and you can construct your own playlists to kind of pick what you want. All uh, all pretty impressive stuff. Very cool. Glad that this is gonna be such a big game. And they've also announced another new fighter, King K. Rule from Donkey Kong Country which uh, one of the original creators of King K. Rool commented that, man, I sure do wish I would have spent more than five minutes coming up with his name if I knew he was going to get this big. Yeah, and, you know, they said that, hey, you know, more characters might be coming, which is kind of ridiculous because they already have everyone from everything else. Yeah, Smash Brothers Ultimate coming out later this year, December 7th very interesting it's going to be getting a limited edition which will come with the gamecube controller adapter and a gamecube controller one of the new ones that they're making and looks like that's going to be about a hundred dollars it's going to be in a steelbook okay yeah that's that's not bad all right and if you just if you're joining us uh, this is quick save k Roo's show about news in the gaming industry and i'm your host brent landreth uh, Nintendo has confirmed that their Switch online service will launch in the second half of September. With a growing library of NES games. Uh, that's kind of it. They just announced that that's when it's going to launch. We still don't know anything about it. It's like a month off. It's kind of ridiculous that we don't really know much about it. But yeah, I'll talk about more about that whenever Nintendo decides to talk more about it. And kind of the last story is very big, and that is that um, and I, IGN, one of the largest gaming sites, one of their reviewers plagiarized a review from a smaller YouTube channel. Uh, Jason Schreier over at Kotaku Reporting. Uh, so IGN has officially let go of the Uh, the staff member. This was someone who edited the Nintendo portion of the site, participating in, like, Nintendo podcasts and everything uh, over the game, and he got fired over the game Dead Cells. A small YouTuber named Boomstick Gaming uploaded a video that, that was titled, IGN just plagiarized me, so what do I do now? And it's kind of ridiculous that he thought this wouldn't go unnoticed. It's honestly like and you know and now that you might be thinking like oh maybe the wording is kind of similar but the thing is is that they there is a there is an error that both of them make the they make the exact same error with one of the game's mechanics and that was kind of the most damning thing about all of this and that's what made people believe oh yeah no this he totally plagiarized this review over Kotaku uh, IGN polls review after plagiarism accusations is the article you can kind of look at a breakdown of the lines that are very similar to each other. And, like, it's kind of the stuff like, oh, change a word or two around, take a word out, add a word in, that typical stuff. And, uh, yeah, he has been fired. And then after he was fired, people started really digging around some of his stuff and realized that he's plagiarized before. And so, uh, Musin, I believe that's how you pronounce his last name, uh, he ended up plagiarizing a review of FIFA 18 for the Switch from Nintendo Life. And they are, once again, very similar, very similar stuff here over on Kotaku. I will let you go and read it for yourself. And then he comes out, uh, Philip Musin comes out and makes a video and... I I question whether or not I could call this an apology because it is very clearly not. He basically gets out there and he says like uh t- t- told his viewers that like you know there are a lot of circumstances surrounding the review, he did not intend to plagiarize from another channel. He never ends up apologizing to Boomstick Gaming and kind of proceeds to be like, "Oh, there was so, so much like, you know, so all this stuff happened. I'm I'm sorry to you guys." And he never apologizes to the person that he stole from and kind of uh and one of the things he talks to uh Jason Schreier now he doesn't talk to him he basically calls him out and being like look man you're just trying to attack me you know like that's all you're trying to do I dare you to find other instances of me plagiarizing stuff and so Jason Schreier founded other instances of him plagiarizing stuff and uh Miu Sin ended up. Mewson ended up deleting said video. Let's see. Yep. Talk about the FIFA 18. Says it wasn't intentional. So as it turns out, he ended up um, uh, plagiarizing a review of Metroid Samus Returns from Engadget. Is this video still up? Yes, um, he ended up plagiarizing this review from Engadget on his own YouTube channel. He's kind of done this before, I'm kind of going through some of this stuff. Yeah, so he plagiarized that from Engadget, and it's basically the same thing, he makes the exact same mistake that the person from Engadget makes in his review, and it is very damning, uh... Reviews editor from IGN Dan Stapleton wrote on Twitter, I haven't seen an apology this poorly received since Kevin Spacey, and that kinda kinda caps it off. I'm just curious as how this guy thought he could get away with it, because very clearly like IGN, one of the largest gaming websites in the world. Like it's not that no one would notice this. And it kind of makes you think, like, well, has this happened before? You know, like now everyone's gonna kind of look at IGN and be like, "All right, let's see if we can find an instance where someone from here plagiarizes this review." It end. I probably probably end up doing more harm to the site uh, than he thought it would have originally, and it's it's very ridiculous. Man, it is. It is such a bad situation, man. And yeah, you know, like uh, the guy he didn't end, end up deleting his response video and that is good. He needs to own up to it. And unfortunately, you know, this kind of sucks for anyone that works at IGN who now the public is gonna constantly be questioning their credibility. Um, yeah, it's it's very unfortunate. So and with you know, with that, I think uh, we're running a little long here. So I'm gonna go ahead and cap it off here. I want to thank you all for tuning in to Quick Safe here on UMKC student radio station. I've been your host, Brent Landreth, and I will see you guys next week. And next week, we're going to be starting on Tuesday mornings instead of Tuesday nights. Uh, so stay tuned. We'll see you then.